Ken, how's it hanging? <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Uh, back when I was a kid, uh, my grandfather used to say, How's your hammer hanging, son? How's it hanging? <laughs> hey, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, it's a man's world. Well, I got caught up in that back in the early days of uh, when I was in my 30s, long, long time ago. And uh, it's a man's world, that's for sure, because... I got looked over for a really good position because this guy really liked cute blondes. Ah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you said that because today's episode is about women entering into cybersecurity and it being a man's world. Turns out, how many? what, what percentage of women do you think are in cybersecurity? Oh, I, I imagine it's probably... Right on up there, 50-50. Oh, 50-50. How about 20%? 20% women over men. No, no, 20% women, 80% men. Yeah, that's what I yeah, meant. So yeah, okay. Got to love so, that, right? Yeah, okay. So, and, and why? I don't know, because I always imagine that uh, if somebody's working closely with a company, it would probably be a woman. I, I don't know why I think that. Well, you know, and, and you look at the stats, and I've got a few stats here. So it turns out, if you're looking at education levels, going past the bachelor's degree, 40% of males have that in cybersecurity. 52% of females have it. So it's not hiring based on qualifications that's keeping women out because evidently women are simply more qualified than males even though they, even though they only make up 20% of the cybersecurity workforce. So what is it, do you think? Uh, well, short of saying it's a man's world, I don't know uh, what they don't trust them. Well, I think that I think that pegs it right there. It's a man's world. You know, I was looking. Uh, we're doing anglerfish, of course. And the question that I had initially is not only on women entering into cybersecurity, but also minorities, specifically African Americans. So we're going to be doing some shows about the problems that African Americans have entering into cybersecurity as well. But this, these, we've got a couple episodes this week about the problems women have of entering into the cybersecurity field. The first person that we're talking to, her name is Maya Green. And Maya Green has, she is an outstanding person. She is also a victim of abuse, sexual abuse when she was a child. She, um, she was a victim of, um, at, at under age five, under age five of, uh, child sexual abuse it was recorded everything else and that uh, I think that really kind of defines her her issues throughout the rest of her life was that and I don't know we didn't really talk about that a lot we're going to bring her back on in the future to tell her personal story on that but uh, Maya went through that later on she becomes homeless for a while she gets her college degree and enters into cybersecurity. And needless to say, she has had some problems with the gatekeepers, the, the white, let's be honest, the white male gatekeepers who run the cybersecurity industry. From getting promotions to being respected. Um, she talks about all of this stuff in her story. And honestly, Ken, I, I don't want to say much about it because Maya says it much better than I possibly could. So we're going to hear from her... Right now, we're hearing from her this instant. Let's okay. go. 
Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we navigate the dark waters of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Season one of Anglerfish tells the story of my rise and fall as the original internet godfather, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to now being focused on protecting people from the type of person I used to be. The second season of the Anglerfish podcast dives into the deepest, darkest waters of our online lives. We'll be discussing fraud and financial cybercrime, sure, but also human trafficking, drugs, cyberbullying, fake news, extremist groups, nation-state attacks, child pornography, and more. Anglerfish believes shedding light on the darkest parts of the Internet helps us to better understand the problems and find solutions instead of living in a world of fear. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. Today on the Anglerfish Podcast, we are honored to have Maya Green coming on and talking to us about something that I think everyone needs to hear, and that's the, the issue of women entering into the field of cybersecurity, a field that is typically or historically dominated by males. Maya, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Brett. Maya, if, if you don't mind, if you could let the audience know a little bit about you, some of your background, and then we'll move over into the topic at hand. So, All right. Well, the first thing is uh, I already had a college degree, and I was on my way back for engineering, and I, uh, I took an internship. So and what, that what was sort of my asking. I had an English degree and I was on my way back for engineering, but I never did finish that one. Okay, so you had an English degree. What and and I guess in in interest of full disclosure, I was on the seven year program for a bachelor's and trying to get an English <laughs> degree as well. I was uh I, I mean I, I guess the plan was to go to law school at some point, but I got Veered, I veered off track and went into cybercrime. But I can, man, can I read a book? <laughs> <laughs> so what were you trying to do with the English degree? You were, you were going to go on into engineering from there or what? My family was a bit of an interesting situation, kind of in a similar vein to some of the stuff that you discussed in your first season. Okay. So there was sort of an understanding that the degree that I wanted to take and the degree that I would end up doing would be two completely different things. Ah. And that's what happened. Gotcha. So did you want to do the uh, the English degree or what did you want to do? What I wanted to do actually was a computer science degree, but ah. they were not having that. Now, okay, so let me ask you, why weren't they having that? Because you were you were female or what was the issue? Power. If I had a degree that would allow me to branch out on my own, quote unquote, too soon, they would lose their power, they would lose their control. And so there was a lot of enmeshment. There was a lot of, you're going to do this this way because we're telling you to. And at that point, I was dependent on their resources. It would gotcha. keep me dependent. Now, you, you said, uh, and we've talked before about some of your history, and we're going to do an episode on your history. And I don't want to really touch on a lot of the abuse right now, but there was a, there was a point mm -hmm. that you were, you were homeless. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and that, I sure was. that was, that was because of, uh, I, how, talk to us about that. How, how did you end up homeless and how did you, how did you climb out of that? So being homeless was a matter of realizing that I can either not have this apartment for the summer and have the money left over to pay for my next semester of school when we come back in the fall, 
or I can keep this apartment and have to scramble to figure out what I'm going to do because I can't afford school. Right. And so what I did was I decided, well, I'm going to give up the apartment. But again, family using resources to control me, I was just starting to climb out of some of that fear and obligation and guilt and just starting to be able to set healthy boundaries. And I didn't want to lose that. So I chose instead to be homeless and I packed all of my stuff in a storage unit and I lived in my car for the summer. And I also lived in my car for quite a bit there during the semester. And I just kind of ended up being able to be back into a good situation when my longtime boyfriend uh, was able to graduate, get a job, and we got a place together. All right. Outstanding. And so you got the degree. Where, where, where along the way did you become, did you start migrating over into cybersecurity? How did you get involved in that? That was in the middle of going back for the engineering degree. So I went to this internship fair and I had some experience as a technical writer and that was initially what got me in the door. The guy at the table was super excited. I mean, this guy acted (laughs) when he heard that I had technical writing experience, he acted like someone had shot a lightning bolt up his ass. (laughs) So, so, okay. So he, so happy. So he, there was, I guess there wasn't a a wall with him. He was like, Oh hell yes. I've got this person that I need. Come on in. I mean, he later became a part of the wall, but initially it was like, NIST is coming, prepare yourself. (laughs) And so, yeah. Okay. So I ended up there. Gotcha. And how long were you there? I was there for the summer internship and I was there for a little bit into the fall. Um, Some things happened and I ended up leaving. Gotcha. So, so the reason I wanted to, to really talk about this and do this show. So I recently, I I did a couple of episodes or I did one episode on cancel culture and um, I actually did a few interviews on cancel culture. and, And one of the people that I interviewed was this, was this gentleman who I, I simply d- was not comfortable airing his interview. I didn't really agree with a mm-hmm. lot of what he said. Uh, not only that, but um, I don't have a problem with people having uh, dissenting opinions. I believe that we should have dissenting opinions in this nation and that, that it makes for a good country right. if, we, if we do that. But he was, he was mm-hmm. pretty inflammatory about things. And, and looking through some of his Twitter posts and, and online stuff, he had made several derogatory types of comments toward ladies, women. And uh, so I started researching more and more of this. And, and what got me interested in it was there seems to be this whole segment, and it's certainly I don't think it's everyone in cybersecurity, but there's a segment of cybersecurity people, males, that feel that women shouldn't be at conferences that women distract, mm-hmm. that women are not uh, intelligent enough, that they are not good enough in cybersecurity to, to be there, that they shouldn't be there and we don't want them there is, is basically the, the, and actually it's not even basically, I mean, I read people posting that kind of stuff. Now, again, I don't think mm-hmm. that's everyone in cybersecurity, but I do think that there's this, almost this wall, this, this, this prejudice against women, women entering into the field. Um, I think that uh, it, it's almost that ivory tower of cybersecurity. You know, we're, we're white males and we're, we've got it handled. <laughs> and that's, you know, and so when you and I started talking, I'm like, you know, she's had some issues. 
with, with the field yeah. and everything else. So she would be probably pretty good to, to get her personal story on what she has encountered coming into cybersecurity, uh, you know, not only the negatives, but any positives that you've, that you've encountered as well. I'd like to, you know, have both faces of that, but I, something tells me that it's by and large, it's, it's just much more difficult for a woman to enter into most any field than it is for a male, especially a white male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with pretty much everything you're saying. I think there's one component that um, maybe isn't quite as clear. And it's a component that I didn't really notice until I started paying attention to it. Because, you know, you grow up in a certain culture, you're used to a certain culture. Right. And so you don't always notice when certain things are happening around you that aren't necessarily right. One of the things that I've noticed is that even some of the guys who have come up to me and said, oh, my God, the way that you women are treated in cybersecurity is awful. They will also interrupt me in the middle of a meeting. They will also not say anything or jump in with everyone saying that either my idea is not quite right or that it's, you know, just ignoring it, frankly. And then five minutes later, a guy will say the exact same thing and they'll get all the credit. So, so let me ask you this, 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 because <laughs> I've noticed this in some of these meetings. I, I've never been in, you know, I was a criminal. I, I didn't do the, the boardroom stuff until I became a legal person. But sometimes in these boardrooms right. today that I'm in, I'll see, you know, you'll have, you'll have a, you know, you'll have male, males and females in there. And Obviously, one of the better educated people in the room is one of the women at the table, and she will say something, and the rest of the group, including women, the rest of the group will look to a man to see if what she's saying is right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I wish that was unfamiliar to me, but it is not. That sounds like what you're saying there. Unfortunately, definitely more than less. Right, right. So, well, what? <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to ask you because I've got an opinion too. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I mean, part of it is the way that we grow up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're always, I mean, even from the youngest days, I remember hearing things growing up like boys will be boys, but yet. As a girl, I was held accountable. And, you know, boys would get to do a lot more things that they wanted. When I started showing a propensity for, you know, leadership and wanting to learn how to work with people, I was discouraged from that. I was discouraged from a lot of things. And I was told that you look to a man to guide you. And so obviously that messaging was probably a lot clearer in my household than in other households, but that is still something, I mean, even if you look at the research, even female math teachers on average are not quite as likely to spend time with the girls as with the boys when they have questions, things of that nature. Right. right. Um, And that, that subtle messaging just carries on. And unless we make a conscious effort to see it, and we make a conscious effort to make room for people who are being affected by it, we're still going to have the same ivory tower. I, I, I agree. I agree. And 
you know, with my, my viewpoint, we are society historically, you know, we, we, we worship a God who is, we're told he's male. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, and, and yep. people look back when you say, if, it's, if someone says, well, you know, my God, she told me, people kind of pause when you say something <laughs> like that. Or, you know, people have a problem right. with, with Islam saying that God has no, no gender. But, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Christianity, we're told that God is male, a white male at that. Then, of course, we, I was raised, I'm, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, and I'm not sure how far removed Eastern Kentucky is from, from the rest of society, but, you know, I was raised as, you know, the man takes care of the family. That's right. The man oh. provides, the man does it all. It's a woman's job, stay at the house, barefoot and pregnant, hopefully. So, you know, that was, <laughs> I, I kind of say that tongue in cheek, but there, there's, there's some truth to that. Um, mm-hmm that male being kind of the savior, the white knight, everything else. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it now and, and, and maybe I'm wrong cause I am a male and I, I cer- certainly, I have benefited from being a white male at that. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems to me that, um, that this whole basis of society that we've got now has led into, you know, when women try to enter the the workforce, they're paid, what is it, a third less, half less than, than, than the typical male is. They're not appreciated. I see that in action. Right, right. Um, so I, I just, I don't know how you, how you fix that. If it's so ingrained in society, how do you fix something like that? I mean, it starts with each individual person. I mean, right now we've got this whole, you know, I don't know when this recording will be released, but right now we've got this whole coronavirus thing going on. Right. And there are some people who are saying, oh, we'll be fine. You'll be fine. You can just go ahead and go out. And what people don't realize is that, yeah, it's not about you. Sure, you might be fine, but what about your cashier whose kid has cancer and is undergoing radiation and is therefore immunocompromised? Like that level of like socially responsible thinking, I think in the U.S., we're pretty individualistic, which has its benefits, don't get me wrong, but I definitely think that that sort of individualism, that sort of I make my own destiny can sometimes lead to a lack of consideration of what your actions impact. And sort of the larger picture can sometimes get lost. No, I, I would agree with you. Um, and, I, you know, there's there's so much stuff I want to talk to you about on that. So, so you enter into into the field, what was, and, and you've talked a little bit about being in, in the room with, with males and, and, you know, of course you'll say something. And I've seen that time and again, that again, the most educated person in the room is the female. She says something it's, it's, they look to the male or they don't even pay attention to that. And then the male says this, the exact same thing five minutes later. Oh, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a really good idea. <laughs> Don't know why one of these women didn't think of that, but that's a great idea. (laughs) What other other things have have you seen entering in and in your daily work that you have to put up with? I'm I'm, I'm sure there's sexism. I'm sure there's there's comments um, that there's Mm -hmm. the the, the just the, the, the ignoring, the power plays, everything else. Right. There's a lot of stuff in that realm and I mean one of the big ones that might not seem quite as obvious from an outside perspective is the little invalidation 
you know, those little comments about like, oh, you know, well, if you need a new job, you can go anywhere. You'll be the diversity hire. Ah. That kind of commentary, but also from some of the people, like I've actually had men complain to me about like women have so much power in this industry. Okay. Cybersecurity has like 10% women. Right. The rest of the industry on average has what? 35%. Right. Yeah. Tell me again how much power I have. Like, tell me, tell me again. So, so let you me know, ask you. I'm, I'm here for you telling me how I'm doing in my field. Right. And, and you may, you made a really good comment just a second ago of someone saying, oh, you wouldn't have trouble getting hired someplace else. You'll, you're, you're the diversity hire or you're, you're, you're pretty enough. You'll get a job someplace else. So, so <laughs> I've got, again, I've got a comment about that as well, but how does that, what's the thought process when, when someone says that to you, what do you think about that? And, and what does it do to you as a person? I mean, the main thing that annoys me is that if I'm being hired for what's between my legs, I better be in the sex industry. Like, unless you're hiring a stripper or a prostitute, what's between the legs should not matter. Right. Right. And so it kind of makes me feel like, it makes me feel like I will never be anything more than a vagina and boobs. And maybe there's a brain attached. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought is, you know, I, I hear a comment like that and it dismisses any education that you've got, any skill level, it, it basically, it's exactly what you said. It, it turns you into breast and a vagina and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, we have to, we have to hire a vagina. We have to have a vagina on the, on the, on the staff. <laughs> and it, right. we may as well make sure it's a pretty vagina at that. So. Oh my God. You have no idea. <laughs> I've had people tell me, you know, you wear skin tight jeans. You'll make your way up. I'm like, I don't want, to flirt my way to the top. Right. I'm here to work my way up just the same as you are. I mean, I've made a point now. Initially, I didn't do this. Initially, I dressed what you'd consider, quote unquote, stereotypical professional female. Okay. Where I would have, you know, the makeup done, like, not like super obviously, but it was like the no makeup makeup. But I would do like the full contour and the eyeshadow and everything else. Right. And I would wear nice slacks and a nice blouse and maybe some low heels. Like I would, I would look what you would expect a quote unquote professional woman to look like. I would never wear a skirt or a dress because that felt way too vulnerable, but sure. I would definitely wear the slacks and I would look like a professional woman. Nowadays I come in and if I don't open my mouth and speak, you have no idea what my gender identity is because I put my hair up. You can't see my hair when I'm at work. I have a fairly square jawline. I don't really do anything to hide that. I'll wear slightly baggy jeans and a t-shirt that doesn't really show anything. I'll have a hoodie over it. Sure. And so, and surprisingly, I've gotten a decent bit more respect. It hasn't stopped the, it hasn't stopped the stalker types and it hasn't stopped the sort of, the worst bits of it, I guess you could say, or at least the more overt bits of it, but the sort of everyday invalidations are not nearly as common when you look extremely butch. And I think that 
kind of concerning. So, so let me ask you, is, is that a, is that a conscious choice of yours that you, that you choose to, to dress and look like that because of, of the, the attitude that you're seeing from some of these males that are in the industry? Oh, 100%. That's, uh, I mean, and just, just for the people who are listening, take a second, and I'm sure the women are already aware of this, but for the males out there that are listening, take a second just to consider that. I'm talking to someone here who they, they have consciously chosen to change the way they look, to, to, to dress a specific way, to keep sexualized comments or diversity type comments out of the picture. Now, what would, what would happen? And failing. And failing. And what would happen, again, to the, to the males? Because, again, I think the women mostly know this. But to the males out there, what would happen if you had to do that? And, and, and sure, okay, I mean, we males, we're like, oh, we would just love for women to talk to us like that. Oh, we would eat it up. But would you? Would you really? Would you really like those types of comments? all the time. You've, you've went through school, you've got degrees hanging on the wall, certificates out the ass. No one pays attention to those because you look a specific way. They tell you, hey, you know that, that nice smile of yours and that baggage in your pants, you shouldn't have a problem at all getting a job. You just dress the right way and you're good to go there, buddy. No, I, I think that um, you put that shoe on the other foot and it's, it's, it's big. It's big. What, what Maya is talking about here is not just Maya's specific experience. This is an experience that's encountered by women across everything, across every type of industry. Uh, and as, as Maya pointed out, it's, it's worse in cybersecurity. You've got 10% female in there. Most every place else is 30 plus. So it's, um, I think it's just sad. It's sad that you've had to do that. Maya, I didn't even realize until you told, until you said that a second ago, I didn't even realize that, you know, I, I didn't realize that, um, that there are people making a conscious decision to dress a specific way to keep the comments or try to keep the comments from happening and, and still failing with it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately that's something that you grow up with as a woman is you right. learn that like the perception of sex or of sexuality or of gender and how you present that relative to the social situation will massively impact the way you are treated. And in some cases will affect how you're treated more or less to the exclusion of everything else. Right. Right. What about, um, so, so the industry you're in right now, I, I won't mention the job or anything, but um, what about advancement? Have you, have you, have you had problems with moving up the chain because of your gender as well? Yes. The, the main thing that I've seen is that if there are a couple of women somewhere near the top one, I've never actually heard of them being treated with the authority that they deserve and the respect that they deserve because they worked hard to get there. They had to be three times better than any of the men who were up for that promotion. Make no mistake in order to get where they were. I have left places instead to get to other places. And there's a fair bit of boys club. There's a fair bit of, well, you know, you should come drinking with us. I don't think I want to go drinking with you. I don't trust <laughs> that guy to not take exactly. my drink. Exactly. Exactly. 
now so. I am tired of being roofied. It's right. annoying right. after a certain point. Right. So what about, um, what about the other women that are in the industry? Is, is, there, is there, because of the way that they're viewed by the male contingent, is, is there increased, I don't, I don't want to use the word drama, but is there increased competition? Is there, is there, is there the women who have already reached a certain place in, in that industry, in that company, do they make it harder or easier for women that are coming through to, to rise? I have heard of it being competitive in a bad way, but I've never experienced that okay. myself. Good. Largely what I have seen is women banding together. And another part of the thing that is another, I guess another facet of the issue would be the better way to phrase it, is that a lot of women are raised, you know, with the expectation that we will be socially intelligent and empathetic and aware. So part of the critical quote unquote failure of women in this environment is that we give a shit and we will never stop giving a shit. If we see something that shouldn't be in that environment, I have not met a single woman in cybersecurity who was not going to chase that down and pester people (laughs) until either they were forced to stop or something happened about it. Because you see something in that network, you want to get it fixed but I have seen so many guys. I literally had someone at a job. I asked him for help. He seemed like he might've been a little bit busy. And I was like, Hey, do you have a moment? You look like you might be busy. If not, it's okay. And he turns around, he pops his headphones off and he says, ah, don't worry about it. I don't do nothing here. What can I help you with? And Uh. I was just, I mean, it took me a minute to like keep the face, but I was like, are you kidding me? And there's that idea of like, eh, we, we do what we can, but we can't catch everything. And it almost kind of becomes an excuse for apathy. And I've seen that a lot and sorry guys, I'm calling you out. Like if we all kept the same give a shitness, now that we had when we started, cybersecurity would be in a lot better place. You know, I got to tell you, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I do because I am, I am still that guy that <laughs> I, I have apathy. I certainly do. I also have a severe lack of empathy for a lot of people, <laughs> except if I figure they really need. <laughs> but. You know, I, I hear I hear that type of attitude, that mentality of, you know, we're we can only do so much. You know, it's, 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 what are you going to do? They're going to make it in anyway. I, there's nothing else we can do. And I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I agree with some of that mentality of, okay, you know, you know what? You've got tons of attackers. Most of these attackers are uneducated. Regardless, they're they've got tools out the wazoo. There's there's millions of them out there, everything else like that. You're not going to beat them all, but even though you shouldn't have that apathetic type of attitude, you should, you should keep up the good fight. Now, what I do say, and I started saying this about six months ago, because I was, I was at a conference. It was a, uh, it was a cyber conference. 
and I gave the presentation and, and typically I'll give a presentation and it'll scare people to a degree. And I, I, I make jokes through the, through it and everything else. But during this presentation, I got through talking and I looked out in the audience and they were just depressed. They really were. Mm -hmm. And I stopped and I was like, look, I said, here's the thing. I said, at the end of the day, you guys can only do what you can do. So, you know, you do mm -hmm. the best job you possibly can. Don't lose any sleep over it because the world is not going to end. It's not. But, you know, just realize that, that the job you're doing is good. It's a good job. You can't plug every hole. You can't defeat every single attacker out there. The only thing you can do is the best job that you possibly can with the environment that you're in. And that's, that's one of the things I've been preaching the past six months is that, you know, don't, don't lose sleep over this because it's going to keep on going. Don't, don't stress your life mm -hmm. out. Don't lose relationships or anything else like that. But what, what you're saying, and I agree with that is at the same time, don't become so apathetic that you don't care. You know, it's, it's do your job right. to the best of your ability and, and be happy with it. Like at least requires some degree of finesse. Right. You know, if someone breaks in, it shouldn't be that hard with the right tools. And that's another issue that's a whole other podcast probably. <laughs> but with the right tools, it should not be hard to do things like block off phishing emails for the most part. Sure. You know, or to tune your systems or, you know, work on actually having logging for all of this stuff in your environment. These things should not be impossible. And honestly, you've won if you can keep the script kitties out at this point. I agree. With everything that's out there. And at the very least, if someone breaks into an environment that I'm protecting, I at least want to be able to learn something about computers when I'm reviewing the event logs. You know, if you're going to do it, do it in an interesting way and force them to do it in an interesting way. At the very least, that way when someone breaks in, you'll learn something. I agree. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a really good idea, actually. <laughs> Imagine that, a novel concept there. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to just be like, this is the 85th fish I've seen today. I want to be know. like, oh. How did that get past the filter? How did that get past that? Oh. That's what they did. I got you. <laughs> so, and and I, we're going to bring you back on. There's no doubt about that. Uh, as long as you agree to come back on for us. But uh, Gladly. A couple more questions because we're, we're running a little short on time. Your, your co-workers mm -hmm. that, your, your, your co -coworkers that are with you, do, how do they treat mm -hmm. you differently than, than other male co-workers? Probably the biggest issue that I've had, and it's a fairly small like comparative to like all of the male coworkers that are there. Um, but I've even seen this in the larger cybersecurity community. I've now had three approaches like this, mm -hmm. um, two in a workplace setting and one in a non-workplace setting um, where someone came up to me and he seemed very chill and he acted, you know, relatively, I guess, for lack of a better term, feminist, like, Hey, you know, I feel like this is kind of a really, you know, shit industry for women and I, I want to help you out. Right. You know, I have that male privilege. Let me use it to help you out. And I'm like, sure. okay, cool. And like you get to know them and it's just fine. And then you get the text. 
The text. The hey. Yeah, the the hey, I'd like you to do whatever sexual thing with me. And you're like, no. And now here's the thing. I'll put a little bit of a content warning on this front bit. I don't want to get into it too far, but um, if you have any sort of history with sexual abuse, you might want to sit out the next couple of minutes of this. But. You know, I was sexually abused as a child. And so I sometimes have a hard time seeing that coming because I'm not always, I don't always see it because I've been groomed before and I'm still just remembering some stuff and I'm trying to figure out, okay, like what's grooming and what's genuinely trying to help somebody. And that line is very blurry, even for quote unquote normal women who haven't experienced that. I should also not have to reach a point where I am telling someone that I was sexually abused as a child and I'm still dealing with trauma from that. And that's part of the reason that I don't want to sleep with you. I should just be able to say, no, I don't want to sleep with you and not worry about you getting vengeful and ruining my career. And so it's very hard because like you kind of have to like, until you can get away, you have to sort of, semi-tactfully string these guys along until you figure out whether or not they'll ruin your career before you can lay down a line. Sure. But a lot of them, a lot of the ones that have approached me are very good at what they do. They have skills, they have experience, they have connections. And so it's kind of terrifying actually to be approached like that because you don't know how fast do they pivot. You know, do they... Do they turn on the dime? Will they destroy me? And that is, yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly part of it, right? I mean, you've got, um, and I was, um, you know, you're right. I I have seen, I have seen people that, that use feminism or, you know, anti-racism or whatever you call it to try to gain entry into a, a woman's pants. I certainly have. They'll, oh yeah. They'll be friend and everything else like that. And it's, uh, especially with your background. I mean, I can, I can certainly understand how you would have trouble seeing that as, as, as grooming because of your history. And, um, it's just, um, honestly, Maya, I, I don't know what to say about that. I've never, I've never been in that position. And, um, I mean, I just can't even, I can't even begin to, um, to comprehend what you went through and what you go through when, when faced with that, you know, with with a male trying to do that to you again. It can be really annoying. Um, the other thing that's really annoying is people thinking like you're open access just a touch. I've had people pat me on the head. I had, um, I had one guy who, when I was doing technical writing stuff, uh, he failed to note the technical. And so (laughs) I was doing some stuff that like just wasn't even within the realm of anything that anyone (laughs) should have even been doing in that sock environment. Right. And he got really mad at me during a meeting because he had said, Hey, you know, ask my boss these questions because, you know, we don't know. And I was like, okay. And so I asked his boss those questions and his boss went back to him and said, Hey, she tried to throw you under the bus. Basically is how I'm guessing that conversation went. Okay. He was so angry with me. He grabbed my arm 
multiple times in the middle of that meeting, like kind of violently. And it was everything I could do to keep with the moment and not like have like a PTSD blackout, which would have been literally what was going on in my head was stay with it. Keep breathing. Don't create an HR issue. Right. And literally that's what was going over and over in my head through that whole situation. And you know, as well as I do, he would have never done that to a male. (laughs) Oh no. Not at all. Oh no. Not at all. It's that, it's that male dominance thing of, you know, the, the man runs everything. We allow, we allow women in here, be happy you're here. We put up with you. (laughs) Well, you're there to look pretty and comment on things and tell us that we're right. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And the the thing is, there's this actually this really great essay. I can't remember who wrote it. I wish I could remember her name. But the essay was titled How to Prevent Rape. And it was very short. And it had things like, When you see a woman walking alone down a dark alley at night, control yourself. Don't rape her. Or carry your rape whistle. That way, if you see a woman and you're tempted to rape her, you can blow it really loudly so she knows to stay away from you so you won't rape her. Oh, geez. Like, things like that. And I feel like that's probably, and that's why, like, sexual harassment training is so shitty, right? Is because it talks about, oh, if you're the victim, oh, if you're the bystander, but they never directly say, Hey, how to prevent rape. Just don't rape people. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm under no, no illusion that this podcast is going to, uh, to fix any of these problems. <laughs> I mean, oh no, not at all. I, I feel it. <laughs> but what I would like is, you know, I, what would you say to the males out there who feel, you know, maybe a little threatened. Maybe they, they think that uh, maybe they're condescending. Maybe they think that, um, you know, the, the women out in there, they're not, they're not as highly trained. They're just in there because they're women. What would you say to these people that, uh, that feel that? Uh, Cause I, I would like to leave this podcast with, with, you know, food for thought that, that people mm-hmm. consider through the day and, and, and really consider what's going on here. Probably the first thing that I would say is I empathize with you. I, I am a high empathy person. I can understand why, given the environment that, you know, you've been used to, why it would be a little bit threatening or seem a bit condescending that here I am saying these things and maybe you feel like I'm calling you out and I don't mean to directly call you out as a person. What I intend to do here is I intend to call out a general culture and it's not either of our faults that that culture was what we were brought up in. But here's what I'm going to ask from you is I do have this empathy for you. Please try to empathize with me and understand that you if you had a different set of genitals, your life would be very, very different right now. You would walk into work and you would be a little bit anxious when certain people walk in the office. You wouldn't wear headphones because you've memorized the sound of everyone's footsteps and you want to know who's behind you. 
you note when someone's footsteps change or when the sound of their movements change because that indicates a change in their mood and you know that you have to work around that. You know that if someone takes a liking to you and they're high up enough, they can effectively do what they want and there's not really that much that you can do about it. Sure, you might go to HR, but if they have the technical skill, there's nothing that's going to happen to them. So please understand that this can sound very ragey and this can sound very angry, but the entire reason that I sound ragey and that I sound angry is that this comes from a place of, I'm just sick and tired of having to be afraid of you. I want to connect with you as a person, as a human being. I don't look in, at you and see a penis. Please don't look at me and see a vagina. That's all I ask. Maya, thank you so much for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. I hope you have a great day. And everyone out there listening, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anglerfish Podcast. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H dot com. Other than saying hello, feel free to email questions, comments, concerns, or even show suggestions. I respond to every single email I get. And please, tell your friends about us. Rate and review Anglerfish wherever you can. As Anglerfish continues to navigate the dark waters of our online lives, remember, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.